Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Morning, Rev. Uh, happy Father's Day uh, to you all. We're going to have a, a, a good time in God's Word today, just thinking about meditating on the subject of uh, fatherhood. Now, I think whenever you talk about any, any, uh, anything to do with dads or mums, the reality is, is that for some people it is an issue of some pain, either due to relational breakdown or relational absence or relational difficulties. Um, so I just want to say at the start that I want to ask all of us to, to really engage with the subject today because, you know, in Jesus there is healing. And when we engage with these subjects, we kind of open the door to the Lord, for him to allow to, to begin working in our hearts and binding up areas of our hearts that are broken or renewing areas of our thinking that are kind of wonky and really helping us. So I, I feel the Lord's going to bring some help to, to many of us today as we look at this subject. There, there's such wisdom of God and this whole idea of parenting, mums and dads bringing their um, complementary contribution to their, to their children. That's God's design. And although it doesn't... Um, Always, or maybe even often, work uh, as it should. Oh, it never, it never works entirely as it should. It's still really, really helpful for us for us to explore the design and purpose of God in this matter. Because for those of us who are believers, we're following the Lord. You know, we want to we want to build and model and pattern our lives on God's ways, don't we? So that we can um, really enjoy the fruit of that, glorify Him, uh, and see all of the amazing benefits that come out of uh, just being faithful to the Lord and, and, and trusting his ways are, are higher than our ways. So it's really great to explore and really important to explore the ways of God. I mean, if you think about mums and dads uh, for, for a moment, there's such a richness in the different contributions that a mum and a dad will bring. It's not it's uh, it's not just, you know, a dad is a mum, a mum is a dad. They're different things. And even though together this amazing partnership of, of equals, um, it has been established by God to, 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 to bring up children. Actually, they bring a complementary contribution. Um, this is how the Apostle Paul puts it in uh, the letter to the Thessalonians, the first letter <clears throat> to the Thessalonians. He's describing his ministry among them, uh, when he was among them as a, as a Christian leader. And he says these two things. He says, firstly, he says in chapter 2, verse 7, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother, taking care of her own children. And then later in verse 11, he says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exalted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. And it's interesting that he draws out these um, these, these ways, if you like, of a mum and of a dad. Now, of course, a dad would, we would want a dad to be gentle and to take care of their children. Of course, we'd expect a mum to encourage her children to walk in God's ways. But... So it's not it's not caricatured, but there's a tilt, there's an emphasis, there's something, there's a specific emphasis that each of the parents bring, and um, um, God has ordained that that nurturing that maternal instincts, that uh, special expression of gentleness to uh, nurture and care for uh, a child, and to you know pr- protect and nourish even from her own body. Extraordinary, amazing, uh, almost miraculous. Um, and then, and then on, on the dad's part, this this charge that that, that 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 actually even elsewhere in the Bible, God gives to to dads, you know, to 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 bring up 
their children in, in the ways of the Lord, to exhort them, to encourage them, to train them, that there's something fatherly um, about that. We'll look at a little bit of that as we go through. Um, but the main thing I perhaps want to focus on to start with is, is this passage in Ephesians chapter 3, um, verses 14 to 15, where Paul says, The Father, talking about the Heavenly Father, the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Uh, and if you read in your Bible, there's probably a footnote there by the word family, because it can also, it, it, it's one of those uh, translation issues where they say, well, it could be, it could be family, it could, it could be fatherhood, in which case it would, it would read the father from every uh, father or every, every um, expression of fatherhood uh, in heaven and on earth is named, which is a, brings out that idea that actually he is the, he is the model father that in our heavenly father we see what fatherhood is to be like and we're going to that's what today will be it will be a meditation on the fatherhood of god what is it like um and hallelujah thank the lord for the bible because um the scripture gives us god's self-disclosure god's revelation this is what i'm like it's not what we think he's like it's not how we feel he's like uh, on any given day it's what he has revealed himself to be like um through the scriptures and what we see perhaps most pointedly through the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son and his relationship to the Father. There's so much there. There's enough there to keep us going for years. Um, but on Zoom, our sermons are shorter. And so I'll do my best to um, to succinctly baptise us or re-baptise us, immerse us in the truths of the, the fatherhood of God um, today. There's three things that I want to focus on today that a father provides. Three main ideas. Uh, and the first is this, that a father provides assurance. And we see this uh, perhaps most uh, pointedly at the baptism of Jesus, where we're told in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 22. Now, when all the people were baptised and when Jesus also had been baptised and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Amazing. What a moment. What a moment of public affirmation for Jesus. Imagine that. Public, a voice from heaven publicly affirming you're mine, and I'm delighted in you. If that, do, if that doesn't bring an assurance, I don't know what will. If that doesn't settle you on the inside, I don't know what will. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Man alive. All right, let's go. I'm going to take on the world. No wonder Jesus was unable to go into the wilderness for 40 days and fast for 40 days and withstand the temptation from Satan. How was he able to do that? He's living with this deep awareness. He knows who he is. He's assured. He's assured by the Father's voice. It's absolutely wonderful. And here's the extraordinary thing, you see. In John chapter 17, verse 23, when Jesus is praying to the Father, he says, I in them, you, in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me 
and loved them even as you loved me. He's praying to the Father. He's praying about the disciples. He's praying about believers. He's saying that the world would know that you love them as you love me. So when we see this image of the baptism of Jesus, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then suddenly Jesus is saying, you love them as you love me. Suddenly go, oh my goodness. When we come to Christ, when we make that decision to follow Jesus, when we when we trust in Jesus, when we say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you, we become sons of God through being joined to the Son of God. In that moment of faith where we join with Christ in faith, where we put our trust in him, that decision that only we can make when we put our trust in him through being joined to the Son, we become sons, we become co-heirs we are part of the family we come into this extraordinary truth that he loves us even as he has loved him you see this is why it says in romans chapter 8 verse 15 you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you've received the spirit of what boldness courage he doesn't say that no you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He's saying it's adoption that's going to keep you from fear. It's knowing that you are a son, a child of God. That's what's going to keep you from fear. That's what's going to deliver you from living under a spirit of fear, knowing that you are a son. You see, the Father's voice brings reassurance. And when you have that kind of reassurance, it enables you to be able to live life with a a rhythm, a pace. You're not panicking. You're not scurrying around. You're not spending your life trying to prove yourself to this, that, and the other person, the the head in your own, the voice in your own head, there's a settledness. You know you're loved. You know the pleasure of God. This is what Christ buys for us at the cross. He buys salvation for us, and a huge part of this salvation is is that we are baptised in the Holy Spirit, who affirms, witnesses in our spirit, you're a son of God now. You can you can stop this. You can stop that kind of um, earthly, unsettled, anxious sort of striving. Now, any striving you do now is going to come from a place of rest, a place of faith, where you just want to you want to please him because you know you you already do. <laughs> that's what's going. That's what's going to grow out of this. Not this anxiety anymore. Hallelujah! So the Father's voice brings assurance to us. The second thing is the Father's. The Father brings good gifts. Father. The the Father brings good gifts. Jesus says this. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Speaking to disciples, seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. The Father's heart is generous, abundant. He is also perfectly wise and knows you better than you know yourself, which is why sometimes things are withheld that we pray for simply out of his wisdom and his knowledge of you. And he knows that at this point now in your life, this would not be a good thing for you. But it is by no means a reflection on anything else other than that. His his posture towards his children is one of extraordinary largesse, abundance, generosity. He loves to give good gifts. Jesus says, 
speaking to his disciples, you lot being evil, have you want a verse in the Bible that proves that Jesus believes in universal uh, sinfulness of humanity, he's speaking to his own disciples, you then being evil, blanket, you being evil, you know how to give your children good gifts, you know how to bless your children, you know how to surprise them with things and you see their face light up and it makes your heart light up, how much more. This is what our God is like. This is what our Father in heaven is like. He has all the resources and all of the generosity to go with it. This is the heart of God. And specifically for, for, for us, when, when the same teaching is recorded in Luke, where in Matthew it says, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? In Luke it says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you need more of the presence of God in your life, if you need more to be filled freshly, how much more will the Father give the Spirit to you? Of course he will. Of course he will. You haven't even got a question, wonder, reflect, speculate, guess, ponder. Just believe. Just believe. This is a, the Holy Spirit is a gift, not a reward. He's a gift to us. The presence of God comes to us freely through our union with Jesus Christ. Everything we have in God has been bought for us at the cross by Jesus. It's not cheap grace. It's the most costly grace imaginable. Jesus paid it all. And this doesn't lead to complacency. This doesn't lead to loose living. This leads to deep joy. This leads to extraordinary, abundant gratitude it leads to faith where you trust if he did that for me how much more is he going to provide for my other needs this is what it leads to it's the fatherhood of god it leads to expectation you know when we expect much of god it glorifies him when we expect him to be generous it glorifies him when we see need and we expect god to meet it Sometimes he meets it through us. Sometimes it's beyond what we've got. So, but we say, Lord, I'm expecting you to. I'm expecting you to meet that need. That's what I'm expecting. When we, when we, um, when we see the heart, the abundance of God, that's where it takes us. That position, that posture. There, it's a wonderful thing. And thirdly and finally, the Father provides training. An essential part of the teaching of the Father, heart of God, is that He's determined to train us. Where it talks about discipline in the Bible, the Father's discipline, that word is a broad word. It means training. It involves correction. Yeah, it involves rebuke, but it's wider than that. It's broader than that. It's God saying, I love you so much um, that I'm going to bring you to glory. Hebrews 2 verse 10 says he's bringing many sons to glory. And that's not just talking about the guys. That's the guys and the girls. We're all referred to in the Bible as sons because we're heirs. And in Bible times, if you were a son, you were an heir. So it's an honouring thing to be called a son of God if you are a woman, because it's God saying you are a co-heir with the other, with the men who believe in Jesus. You see, it's God is bringing many sons to glory. That's the that's the father heart. That's an essential part of the father heart of God. That He won't allow you to just um, stay in 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 the regions of of kind of uh, where you're where you're ankle deep in in the knowledge of Him. Uh, where you're ankle deep in your own maturity, on your own expression of faith and love and hope. No, no, no. He wants to bring you out of your depth. He wants to bring you into that place where you are you are completely out of your depth. <laughs> but you are enjoying and loving just such connectedness with him and reliance upon him. This is the it's important teaching on God's training in Hebrews 12. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. 
For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's not pleasant being trained by God, but boy, is it fruitful. It's a little bit like the, uh, the gym that I go to. The sessions are not pleasant in and of themselves, uh, but they have really good benefits. Um, there's a harvest that comes out of it of you know, health or strength or fitness or whatever. So it's not exactly in the moment you're thinking, why did I come here again? And you come out and your endorphins are flowing. You think, no, that was great. Um, after a shower, we think, yeah. Um, you've been done good by it. It's the, it's the same with the training of God. He will take you through things. The Father will take you through things. He'll take you through pressure. He'll squeeze you. He will do that. You say, well, why? Why? Because he is committed to your maturity. He is committed to bringing you to glory. He's committed to restoring the image of his son in you. He is committed to you growing into all that he has for you and all that he desires you to be so that your life may glorify him, so that your life might display his splendor. That's the father heart of God. It's an amazing thing. So how do we respond? How do we um respond to all of these things well we must be this should fill our hearts with such joy and comfort today you know when God trains you it shows you belong to him when we used to um, train our kids and you know, discipline our kids they would say, why don't you discipline the other kids out there on the street and our response is always the same they're not ours they're not ours you're ours wow thank you Lord how do we respond? Well, there's three groups of people. First, I want to say to dads, dads, today, don't lose heart. Dads, keep going. Your voice, your presence, your energy, your God-given spiritual authority, it makes such a huge difference in the life of your children. Maybe you don't have biological children. You've got spiritual children. God has given you many offspring spiritually. Your presence as a spiritual father, as a biological father, it means so much. Sometimes you might even think, I don't even know quite what to do. Your presence matters. Your engaged, loving presence matters. Don't lose heart. Don't allow yourself to be discouraged. Don't give up. Don't withdraw. Remain engaged with your children. For many of us men, the biggest struggle we have is with the fear of failure. And as soon as failure looks like it's coming close, we'll do anything rather than, rather than experience that sense. And sometimes withdrawing and just backing away uh, is a way of, of, of coping with that. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. Dads, remain engaged. Always better to um, engage, invest, learn on the way, adjust. When you get it wrong, apologise. Move on. It is inbuilt in your children to love you. Okay, so where you get it wrong, apologise. You might think, I've got it wrong for years. Go, go to your children and apologise for the years of where you've got it wrong. You might be listening today, an older guy, you think, it's too late. It's never too late to get things right, to move 
to move with humility towards any, any of your children that you've wronged. Um, a word to sons and daughters. Uh, <laughs> this is a big one. Um, some dads do terrible things. Some dads seemingly do nothing. You think, where, where are you? Uh, I do think most, I do think most try their best. I've become a lot more gracious and generous since being a father. Because you realise how flawed you are as a, as a parent, as a person. And, and your kids mirror back to you your flaws as well as your strengths. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> well, those moments aren't easy. Um, but um, I want to say, sons and daughters, particularly those of you... you you just it's, this isn't an area of joy for you that's it's an area of pain or uh, hollowness numbness um, bitterness whatever it might be there's a really interesting story and in, right in the early part of the bible when noah gets drunk and he's naked he's just drunk he's in a mess he's naked and he's laid out and exposed his nakedness is exposed which Back then, culturally, I guess probably similarly today, you know, it wasn't. It's not appropriate. It was deemed to be shameful to expose your nakedness. And uh, one of the, one of the, Noah's children sees his father's nakedness and thinks it's a funny thing and calls on the other two sons to come look, come and look at dad. The other two sons, when they realise what they're being asked to come and do, they pick up a cover and they walk backwards and they cover their father's nakedness. They cover their father's shame. And I think it's ever it's it's incumbent upon us if we're believers that areas you cover your father's shame. Any anything, don't expose him. Don't expose him. He's, he will where he's flawed, where he's imperfect. Cover his shame. Uh, it's an important thing to do, um, and often can lead to healing and restoration of a relationship. Don't don't look to expose. Where they've gone wrong. There are times for difficult conversations. There are moments for that. But as a, as a rule, cover the shame. Um, uh, God is the judge. God, God, you know, God will put all things right. It's not ours to, to, to do that. And then finally, to those of us who are kind of fatherless, really, you just think well, you, don't, you never knew your dad, or you've lost your dad, or or whatever, I just want you to know, and this is true for all of us who are in Christ, that we have been adopted by the perfect Father who is totally committed to us forever. And who, God has a special heart for the fatherless. God has a special place in his own heart for the fatherless, special sense of protection, defence. He loves you really in a special way. We to hear that and know that today, he loves you in a really special way. Um, he's aware of the gaps that's, that have been left. He's aware of that sense of vulner heightened vulnerability and he cares. He really cares. And he welcomes you into his presence, into his embrace. And wants you to know that you are as welcome in his presence as Jesus because you are, through faith, in Jesus. You are one of his sons. He wants you to know that. And it's so important that you embrace that today and enjoy that we enjoy whatever today is going to be like for you as Father's Day. It may be a day where you have great family time. 
it may be a very quiet day or, or, or a difficult day. May we all find ourselves wrapped in the Father's embrace today. And if you've never known the Father's embrace, you've, ne- you've never known God personally, listen, you can. <laughs> as extraordinary as it seems, you actually can because of what Jesus has done for you. He has made a way for all of us through him to be reconciled to the Father and have a personal relationship with the Father, to become sons of God, literally, genuinely, and for God's Spirit himself to come and live inside of you and affirm that you are his son. So God calls you today to do that. God calls you to trust in Jesus. God calls you to lay your sin, your sins, your living life your own way, laying it at the feet of the cross. God calls you to do that today so you can lay down the old life and pick up a new life in Jesus and enjoy the Father's embrace. God bless you.